We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What was a worse decision than the Saints signing Brandon Browner. You not supporting Saints Happy Hour. You need to become a patron so you can get access to the best Saints podcast every day. Patrons also get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7, early access to podcast episodes, our world-famous booze bundle with four amazing swag items, and you can get Saints Happy Hour ad-free by becoming a patron. That's right. Patrons get access to every show ad-free. No ads ever. So do it. Go to saintshappyhour.com and sign up today. That's saintshappyhour.com. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. If it's Wednesday, that means it's time that we are on the Spotify Green Room Live. If you're not joining us live and you're listening to this later, Download the Spotify Green Room app. Then you can talk to us. We're having fun. Sometimes we give away prizes. Sometimes we give away amazing prizes. It's awesome. And you should become a patron because, Andrew, how many breaking news podcasts have we done this week? Two, including that doesn't even include that doesn't even include the podcast we do every day. So ain't nobody covering the Saints podcast wise and article wise like we do. Because if you're a $10 patron, you get the booze bundle. And you get all Andrew's written content. We're the best freaking Saints podcast anywhere. If you want to enjoy the Saints coverage for 2021, pay $10. It's the best $10 you spend all year. We promise. So, and Andrew, we, even, we even have Seahawks fans. Well, actually, never mind. He just left. They, he ejected. He got he mad just ejected. Us. Yeah, he got mad. So, listen. I guess he doesn't want to give us Russell Wilson. He doesn't. The Saints, we didn't have a breaking news podcast today just because I didn't want to do a third straight day of sad breaking news podcasts. But <laughs> the Saints, Ty Montgomery got carted off, and I didn't hear any news that's like, oh, it was just cramps. He'll be okay. So I'm worried about that. Andrew, it's panic at the disco time for wide receivers. I know none of the wide receivers are good, but here's the thing. like, Eventually, I worry that they – do not have enough NFL-quality guys. And the thing is, I don't even know if Ty Montgomery's NFL-quality anymore, but at least I know he had done it in games that mattered. He now, hasn't, He hasn't. <laughs> he has Ty, I mean, he's been a running back. He's never really That's done right. anything as a receiver. 
That's true. He's but been I mean, like a, a backup quality running back. He's never done I, I don't know. Like to me, Ty Montgomery is like Patrick Robinson. Like first of all, we don't know that he's out for the year. I've seen guys get carted off and play the following week. So it, you know, it's it's not hopeless with Ty Montgomery. Brandon so we'll Browner. <coughs> cough. Cough. Yeah. Uh Eli Apple, wasn't he carted off? Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. So I don't know. I I just feel like he could come back, and it could be cramps, like you said. So in, until we hear that it's like a fractured ankle and he's out for the year or whatever, then yeah, that's a bummer. But I I view him as similar to Patrick Robinson in the sense that that's like right. it's not it's not good. Like I, I I don't want him hurt, and it's like one less guy that could work out. But he's a big fat maybe, he's uh, a- as, <laughs> is, as is all the guys behind him, and you know it's like. If he's out and so you have to play Jalen McCluskey, like neither option is good, but I don't view one as necessarily worse than the other, if that makes sense. You know, um, I think it's interesting in that the national media has completely, and they were down on the Saints just because of their cap issues and they had to get rid of Jack Rabbit and Emmanuel Sanders. And they think Sheldon Rankins was a contributor, but he wasn't. And Trey Hendrickson, they lost, Saints lost a bunch of guys. But now with the injuries and suspensions and everything, the national media is way down on them. And I listened to Mina Khan's podcast today. She, she's been doing every division. And she did the NFC South today, and she was exasperated when she was going through the Saints depth chart. She literally did this. Jeez, she did that like three times. But I which still, positions? I didn't. I haven't listened to it yet. She talked. It was wide receiver to start. Yeah, of course, of course. Defensive. Well, she, she's already been on record as saying that's the worst receiver group in the NFL without she's Michael Thomas. She did it for defensive tackle. She did it for uh, corner, but here's the thing: she's like, not wrong. she's not she's not wrong. But and if you if you, people if you want to chime in, uh, request to speak, and you can join us. But I just look at this this team, and I said it on a friend of the podcast Scott Prather, his is the great Scott show in Lafayette. I said it on his show. I recorded it Tuesday evening, but it ran today. I I said it. Look, the Saints are going to go as far as the lines take them. And as long as their lines stay healthy, I'm going to panic with Andrew on phone calls. And and Andrew's going to talk me off the ledge. But if the lines are good and the lines are healthy, I still think – they can be in playoff contention. And, of course, Peyton Turner's missed. He's, he, he got injured yesterday. He didn't practice today. So now my panic ratchet is up, Andrew. But I still believe that. Like, the Saints' lines can be they, – they can be dominant, and they should be dominant because think of everything they've invested in both sides of the ball on the lines. Well, I, I – yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, with Peyton Turner, I, I, when things are horrible – and guys are done for the year, you hear it pretty quick. So if you're not really hearing anything about Peyton Turner, that's probably a good sign, you know, that we have that we have no news on his injury. So I wouldn't freak out about that just yet. But, yeah, look, football is one in the trenches. I, mm-hmm. I do think so much is made out of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and all. But, and and I, I think it's fair to some degree, but this isn't the NBA. You know, and and whatever team LeBron is on isn't, by function of him being there, automatically awesome. And, look, 
I get that whatever team Mahomes is quarterbacking is probably going to be awesome. But I don't know. I mean, look how Deshaun Watson did on the Texans last year. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you put a bad football team around a good quarterback and they can struggle to have success. So I I just think football is a 22-man sport and it's much more about how you play as a group. Now, I do think the Saints have potentially reached a point of no return, you know, with some of these injuries. But, I mean, there's no question that there's going to be guys that we don't expect to step up that are going to need to step up. But I still think you can be so awesome in certain areas that you can win games every week. And if you have a dominant pass rush and a dominant offensive line, that is a recipe that has, I mean, I'll put it to you this way. I watched Blake Bortles lead the Jacksonville Jaguars to an AFC championship where they were within one, they were in one completion, one, one Blake Bortles completion away from winning, from winning. Yep. And you know what, you know what drags that team to that position? Two things, a dominant offensive line and a pass rush led the league in sacks. So, I mean, if I were to ask you right now between Davenport being healthy, Cam Jordan returning to health, this, the leaps that Granderson's making, and Peyton Turner potentially being really good, plus an offensive line being healthy all year, Cesar Ruiz taking that step, you know, to where he is on the level of everyone else on this line, and no one getting hurt up front, can, can they have a Jacksonville Jaguars type run? I believe the answer is yes. And I, I said this too yesterday on on Scott Perry's show. I'm not show. saying you know, it's gonna happen. I'm just saying I, I'm just giving you guys reason for hope. I mean, the reason the 2000 the 2000 Saints are the 29 the 2021 Saints are are, are 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 have a lot of injuries, but nobody in Saints history, no team comes close to the 2000 Saints and all the injuries they had, and they still won a division. And they still want a playoff game. And you know why? Because the whole year, their offensive line and their defensive line were healthy, and they kicked ass every week. The Saints. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that defensive the line. The Saints. Right. In 2000, it was incredible. The Saints started Terry Allen, the corpse of Terry Allen, in a must-win game at San Francisco because they didn't have any running backs. He ran the ball 20 times for 85 yards. Like, that offensive line – and – I would argue the Saints don't have a Willie Rofe because I, I think as great as Armstead is, he's not a Hall of Fame level like Willie Rofe. But I would argue this offensive line for the Saints is pretty damn close to that if you if you take everybody else. Well, who was on that line? So w- Willie Rofe is left tackle. They have Wally Williams. Was he they had Wally back? Williams at guard. They had Niola Le- at Le- guard. Fontenot at Charles center. Bentley? No, they had yeah. it was Fontenot at center, and they Fontenot. had Car- Tarley at, at right tackle. Who was the right guard? Uh, Nioli. Oh, Chris Naoli, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, so that – Yeah, I, I would say this line's better than that. I mean, so – Depending on which health you get. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you could still be good. And the thing is with the Saints is can Sean Payton coach – and I don't know necessarily that it's even coach the, the, the mistakes out of Jameis. Can he scheme – the mistakes out of Jameis on offense. Now, defensive line, they're not as great at tackle. 
because Leroy, Glo- Leroy Glover was just a dominant boy. He had 17 and a half sacks from defensive tackle. That's Aaron, that's better than Aaron, that's better than Aaron Donald numbers from interior. So it's not that good. But the Saints do have depth at end. I, I'm just saying that we're panicked, and there are reasons to worry. But I still think there's reasons to hope. Um, what would you think about a pass rushing package that was Jordan? Turner, Granderson, and uh, who am I forgetting? Davenport. Onyo. Sorry, sorry. Davin. Well, before Onyemata gets back, Davenport, jo- Jordan, Turner, Granderson. I would those four. I, mean, I would love it. Uh, depending on the, I I would love it depending on the down, the distance, and the game score. Like, I mean, if if I if you're up ten. You, if you want to roll with that, hell yes. Because then you – or a team that you're playing, you just don't respect their running game. It's fine. I mean, let's get we, let, let's no, get weird. yeah. I mean, you're, you're obviously not putting them in on second and two. But yeah. I, I'm just saying, have it as a package. It's like oh, a NASCAR package. Com- completely. I, I I love it. We got Eric, uh, Eric, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts? We're 12 days into camp. So ever since the no call, I've had this kind of feeling like we were in debt. We were owed this Super Bowl. <laughs> That's right. And it's been like, you know, money you can't lose. So, so this season, fuck it. It's house money. Like, we're either going to have Taysom or Jameis, both of whom's a goofball quarterback. I'm going to get behind him. We're going to win weird games. We're going to have all these big personalities on the team. We're going to get sacks. Everything we win is going to feel like a total freebie. And if we lose, it's going to be like, oh, well, whatever, transition year. We'll hit him next year. I'm just going to enjoy <laughs> this season. Yeah, yeah well, I like, I like that perspective. And that's a good point. It's, it, it's, it's like with the dead money that Drew Brees was going to count against the cap mm-hmm. and the, the salary cap situation being what it is, it's actually kind of surprising that we went into the season with some hope that that it was like, yeah, you know, this roster's still not that bad. Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of good players we could win, but like, the script was always the year that Breeze ejects. That's when all that dead money comes to pass, and that's when it's going to be, and you know, that that's going to be the day of reckoning. That's when the Saints are going to yeah. have trouble. And like, this was always scripted to be a rebuild year. So I, I'm surprised in the sense that the Saints have been able to put together a pretty good roster to where we think they might win some games. They might, we, they're in the mix to make. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, you look at the Saints' schedule. To me, Green Bay, go to Carolina, go to New England, host the Giants. You can go, you can go I two think, and two. I don't care who's hurt. You can go two and two. Then you go to Washington and you go to Seattle on a, on, on a Monday night. Right, then then after then you're a three and three, and if you you gotta win back. one of those two, you got you gotta get to three, you gotta be three and three facing Tom Brady. That's that that you give me you get if you gave me three and three right now, Eric, and you said Ralph, you can have three and three, or you can have behind what's door number two. I take three and three and don't ask any questions. I'm like we're signing the papers right now. No take backs. Would you if I if I told you you can have three and three 
going into Halloween at 325 against Tom Brady, would you, would you sign the papers or would you roll the dice on something better? Uh, I think I, I take three and three. I try and negotiate to make sure. <laughs> so just, just like, just like give me Camara healthy three and three and That's fair. Didn't, didn't limp. And then, yeah, I take that. I take that seven days a week. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Eric. Um, all right. We got. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I don't know if Eric's a lawyer, but I like that. He's like, okay, I'm good with three and three. I'm good. But like, uh, Camara's knees have to I be got, fine. Camara's got to be healthy. No, gotta have I mean, the caveat in there. I like that. But that, that. But his scenario, like, like he didn't ask for like, give me four. I need four and two. No, no. Like you, you, and basically, Andrew, if you told me three and three with Eric's caveat of Alvin Kamara. You could tell me the Saints were three and three, and their point differential was negative. Like I would, oh, like, I don't, absolutely. I don't well, yeah, give a uh, Ralph. We we've had this age old thing, like where I, I don't care if the Saints lose fifty to nothing one week, and they win by one point the following week. Like it, it's one and one. Like that, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's like style points don't matter. This isn't this isn't college football. You know, you. You lose by 50 points, you don't drop in the rankings. It's just you're 0-1 in the standings. It counts as one game. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. so I've never cared about that. Yeah, but I, but I do think analytics has, has, has sort of, has sort of uh, changed how people view it in a sense of I really think people look at that and they don't – and the thing about the NFL, since it's only one a, once a week, even the analytics nerds fall into this trap of – the, you know, they had it when the Saints in 2018, remember when they started like two and one, but they barely beat Cleveland because the dude missed five field goals. They won in Atlanta in overtime on kind of fluky, right? And people were like, the Saints are, and they're thinking that, like, they're not that good and their defense is terrible. And your thing is like, dude, it doesn't matter. It, what they are now isn't what they're going to be. They might be worse. They might be better, but you got to stack these wins. And I think that's the thing that the, that the stat nerds, Forget they get so wrapped up in the analytics that they think it's going to continue forever. Where like if the Saints are three and three and minus ten on a point differential or minus twenty, we'll be like we don't care. Michael Thomas is coming back. Onyemata is coming back. Like we're gonna get we're gonna get dudes back and it's gonna be fine. So, uh, Mr. Juge, he wants to join us. Mr. Juge, would you take three and three if I offered it to you right now? I, I don't know, Ralph. I might, but I'll tell you, my thinking, I'm still convinced we're the best team in the NFC South, even if we have to win the division with a losing record. So I'm, <laughs> I'm convinced we're going to the playoffs. You think I'm you think Tom Brady's deal with uh, Satan is going to expire? I, I just think we're better than them, Brady included. Brady included. Also, Ralph, I got a, I got a, a trivia question for Oh, you know, I saw that, the, you know, they, they canceled Jazz Fest, right? They did. So what what is your take on what's going to happen with, with Ooh, uh, fans I, at games? I, I tell I'm, you, Mr. I'm, I'm, I'm worried we're stuck again. I'm, I'm worried. And, and I'll tell you, you know, here's the thing is I booked my flight today. And I've, the last Saints game I saw them yeah. win was the 2019 game against the Texans. That's the Saint, last Saints victory that I saw wow. um, in person. But I'm getting worried. And look, I'm vaccinated and I know – the, the idea of a breakthrough infection is rare and you don't and, and, and it's just better. You're, you're safer if you don't get vaccinated. But I'm still really nervous because here's the thing. 
if I go to the game and I get COVID and I come back, I got to quarantine for 10 days. My kid can't go to school. My wife, all her wedding, all her meetings she does for wedding planning, she can't do. So, yeah, I'm not going to – the odds are strongly against me getting really sick and going to the hospital and dying. But my life will be in chaos. And, like, do I want to risk, like, two weeks, ten days or longer of chaos to go see the Saints play the Packers? I mean, it's – I mean, I, I have to say right now it's 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 dicey even though I booked the flight. I I'm worried about it. Gotcha. No, well, I mean I, I think that being on the flight is probably and being in the airport is probably the riskiest part of that whole deal. Right? Yeah. I mean the, the That's Superdome, right, the, the is almost like being outside. Uh, I'm a terrible driver, Mr. Juge, and I hate driving. Like <laughs> once once I got to the point where I don't I could, blame you. Once I got to the point where I could afford to fly and I made enough money and I started flying at Saints games like I never go back I, I, I what I do now is I I did this on the Christmas the Christmas Eve game when they when they when did they play on Christmas Eve and it was 2017 they did Christmas Eve I flew in the day of the game I like I flew in Christmas Eve morning went to the game flew back and I was wow. like I was like, this isn't that bad. And that's what I that's what I do now for Saints games. Like I fly in yeah. morning of, go to the game, fly home that night. Right. I hear you, Ralph. I'm I'm with you. Oh, listen, Ralph, I think last week I missed a, a question on a on a name you definitely couldn't pronounce. Did you guys talk about this hit that this guy JT is an Ibby or Ivy put on Kirkwood and knocked him out, you know, at the Panthers pr- pr- practice? And, and they the caught him. And and they cut him immediately. That's right. Did, didn't you think that was ridiculously overreacting to just cut the guy? I mean, is that just like politically correct? Look, the guy made a mistake and made a hit. He apologized. He's competing for a roster spot, right? What is he supposed to do? Let well, up? I mean, I, that, that to me is cheerleader powder puff, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, I think, I think for the Carolina, probably Andrew, Andrew they probably were like this guy. He wasn't going to make the roster. We can cut him, and we can and we can send a message to everybody how we want practice. It's like Jimmy Johnson; he would cut people that fell asleep in meetings, except for Michael Irvin. When Michael Irvin fell asleep in a meeting, he would tell him to wake up. So, like, it's just it's just different. It's just different things for different people. This idea that every NFL player is treated the same—that's not real life, Andrew. Probably. Am I? Do well, you think that's? I I, I think you know. The thing that your dad that you're probably not thinking about here is just the impact in the locker room. So, like, if you make a dirty gotcha. hit like that, where where one of your teammates is exposed, he's coming over the middle, and it's you're not in a game, right? This is a practice where you know, one of your teammates is exposed and you light him up. Now, I don't know how the secondary felt. I don't know how the defense felt, but I, I'm I'm certain that the entire offense was like. That's the most messed up thing we've ever seen. We can't believe you sent our buddy to the hospital with a dirty hit like that in practice. And, I got and like, I'm guessing the whole locker room was like, get this dude the F off my team. And, right. and yeah. so I don't know how the defensive players felt about it, but like, I know who runs that team. And uh, wh- sorry, what's the coach's name again? I'm blanked on his name. Matt Rule. Matt yeah, Rule, Matt, yeah. Matt Rule Matt- and, and Joe Brady run that team. It's very oh. offense centric. And so I like you watched how that team operated last year. They don't even care about defense, you know? And so I know they drafted a bunch of guys and they played a bunch of young guys on defense, but like, yeah. 
I, I just think the way that team is constructed, I, I could quickly see Matt Rule and Joe Brady being like, you hit one of our offensive playmakers like that again, and mm-hmm. you're never going to get in the job anywhere in the league. Forget getting cut by us. Like, we'll blackball you. I got you. Yeah. So, well, I, I think it's more about that. So you're saying I overreacted to the fact that his name's hard to pronounce. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, but I, I was with you. you. I feel I you, Mr. Dude. I'm with you. I, I hear I where you're coming this. from in the sense that, like, the, the game has definitely gotten softer. Now, look. Part of it's player safety too, right? And you just have to be I got you. like the, the times have changed, and you just can't hit guys like that anymore. And that those That's are the right. rules. That's right. And but like, to- yeah, I mean, I, I sympathize with like the uh, the purest football guy is going to watch that and be like, "What's the problem?" Like he lit the guy up, and yeah, it's unfortunate he got hurt, obviously, but it does seem a little extreme that a dirty hit gets you cut, but. Look, I, I think uh, that that's the way the game has evolved. It's 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 interesting right. how now like dirty hits are just not forgiven, right? Yeah. And then you got you got Peyton Manning in his Hall of Fame speech saying, "We're here to preserve the future of the game," and you know yeah. he's talking about things like we've got to be careful about injury. And, and thanks, Mr. Juge. And, and I say this Thank too you. is um, is it like you say, Andrew? It's just different. And the thing is, that's why these quarterbacks are playing into their forties. Because you can't, you can't hit them, and 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 if you take care of your body, you get a little a little luck, you can play longer. Whereas like it used to be, quarterbacks hit thirty six, thirty seven, they were done. Even Joe Montana and those guys, because they just took so much beatings. But we got, we got uh, my fa- my favorite game day experience is just uh, you know these days when you see a quarterback, you know, basically just get touched, and not not Cam Newton because like. You know, Cam Newton refs will still let him get lit up, and they won't throw a flag. You know, but, but, is, but the bigger quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger, like he still gets rocked, and they won't throw a flag. But I, I, I'd put Breeze in this category, and Tom Brady. I mean, you 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 look at those guys the wrong way, and the I mean, it's just raining flags. And there's nothing like being at a game day where you just you sit next to the old school yeah. football fan. You know, the old head that's screaming at the refs and is just pissed off at everything they say. And then, you know, anytime there's a roughing the passer penalty, they just scream, why don't you just go ahead and put a skirt on the quarterback? That's right. You know? Quarterbacks wear – quarterback, Jack Lambert was like, quarterbacks should wear dresses. And that was in the <laughs> 70s, man, when they would just <laughs> murder quarterbacks. I saw, uh, I saw a thing where Terry Bradshaw, he got – blasted by Jack Youngblood of the Rams in just some random game in his 70s, dude. I thought he was – like, if that happened today, they'd have suspended Jack Youngblood for, like, months. Because it was, like, right on the sideline. He just, like, murdered Terry Bradshaw. But but I want – one thing that your dad brought up – you brought up about the locker room. And I think it's interesting, the the, the one aspect of Michael Thomas that I think – Nick Underhill mentioned in his article where he like recapped everything that's going on with Michael Thomas and he knew and he mentioned it and I still think it's an interesting thing is there's a feel and you can talk to this too Andrew because you got sauces in the locker room there's a feeling in the Saints locker room that Michael Thomas and CD Deuce now we know CD Deuce he has this magical power that people just want to punch him but there's a feeling in the locker room that Michael Thomas kind of sucker punched him and like it kind of like sends this vibe in the locker room that like people, uh, the players like not really like Michael Thomas. I mean, they like that he's good, obviously, and can help them win. 
But as far as like yeah. personally, they're like, I don't really like you. You kind of sucker punched Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and and we don't like you. No, I, I definitely think that's true. Uh, I think Michael Thomas is a uh, odd personality, from what I've heard, uh, that he doesn't make a lot of relationships. He's not one of those guys that's like very interpersonal. Um, I, I do think he he works hard, but but I think look, at least on the defensive side of the ball, we're talking about a guy that like runs r- walkthroughs at a hundred percent, you know, <laughs> and, and like he'll block a dude and, and, and try to light him up when they're doing walkthroughs. So like I, I think pretty much all defensive players find him very annoying, you know. On the, <laughs> on, the yeah. on the offensive side of the ball, like yeah, again, like I don't really think he's making relationships. Like he's yeah, out it's there. It's like, dude, we're in the hotel ballroom on a Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I it back. I remember when they asked Eli Apple, like, yeah, you played uh, college football at Ohio State with Michael Thomas. How does it feel to be back on his te- on a team with him? And he's like, yeah, Michael's a great player. You know, it's good to see him here. You know, like he was very like, yeah, oh, whatever. But I, yeah, and then later after that, I, I heard that basically in practice at Ohio State, Eli Apple was covering him and he would burn him the entire practice and then be screaming at the defensive coordinator, talking trash, saying, you better find someone else to cover me because this guy sucks. And, like, <laughs> oh, so he, yeah. he was basically just talking trash the whole practice. And I think that's kind of how, like, Michael Thomas, I, maybe part of why he hates Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is because he reminds him of himself, you know. But yeah. Michael Thomas talks a lot of trash, too, you know. And, and I think, look – Michael Thomas, for a while, I think he was kind of like, yeah, the guy's kind of weird, but he's our weirdo. You know, there's a little bit of that. And now the pendulum swung the other way. And, you know, obviously the injuries, all that is piled up. But I do think that – and and so you hit the nail on the head with the Michael Irvin thing. And it's that when you're winning games and this guy is talented enough to get you to the promised land, you're willing to forget – forgive a lot of shit That's right. and and when you're losing and the vibe's not good and there's a lot of finger pointing going on you're not going to put up with a guy like michael thomas that's right so, in 20, it, yeah in 2018 in 2018 if you put up a buck 80 against the undefeated rams you know and you want to get that self cell phone out and do an homage to joe horn i'll be like it's all okay, good it's all good um Here's here's the thing. We, we want to be positive, and Michael Thomas obviously isn't isn't positive. But one positive thing, another positive thing that's coming out of training camp, Andrew, unvaccinated corner, he's making strides. Like he's he his name's starting to come up. He apparently works really hard. I wish he I wish he would work really hard on getting vaccinated, but we won't get into that. But apparently, like should, start- should we upgrade him to UC? Should we start calling him the UC? Yeah, we'll start calling him the UC because he's making he's making stride for. And and oh, by the way, Mina Kynes mispronounced his name too today on the podcast. She called him a day. She She said a daybo. Oh, so I felt Ralph. She went full Ralph, so I felt good about it. Uh, But like Andrew, listen, all you can ask is they they traded up to get him. He's making progress in camp. Can he be a bumpy up and down rookie corner? Like that's all we want out of him. And we've seen that the Saints can get by with a bad cornerback. They just can't have Stanley Jean-Baptiste level bad corner where you can't even play him. So I'm and 
one thing that that you had talked about, but it reminded me when when she was talking to she was talking to Stephen Ruiz of USA Today. He said he said of everything the Saints had, he's like, I'm not worried about corner. He's like, here's the thing with Dennis Allen. He's like, you talk about all these young, hot defensive coordinators and how they're doing all these interesting things with safety. He's like, the Saints get as weird playing safeties as any team. And you told me this last year, too. The Saints play four safeties sometimes, right? And he's like, I think they could be okay at corner because Dennis Allen, he's a cutting-edge defensive coordinator, and he will – he's not afraid to experiment and do cutting-edge stuff. He's like, we don't – you don't think of Dennis Allen that way. Maybe it's because he's been around a long time or the Saints offense or whatever. But he's like, I think they're going to be okay at corner. And – if I gave you a Debo, and, he, and I, I, said, I said, Andrew, he's going to give you 75% of what Crawley gave you in 2017, would that be good enough at corner? No. No? Oh, I was, mm-hmm. no, you need more than that? I think, I think Ken Crawley at his peak is probably like the minimum you need, honestly. Okay. Yeah. The Ken Crawley Mendoza line. Yeah, that's the men- well. I, I mean, maybe it's ninety-five percent. You know, maybe it's ninety-two percent, but seventy-five percent. Yeah, is not we got. We have a ton of people in the room now, and I want people to start talking to us. I want people to tell me how excited they are about the preseason game. And usually, I don't get excited about preseason. I mean, you're, we're excited for preseason games because it's here and it's Saints football and it's practice and it's finally back, but. Uh, and Matt's going to join us. Matt, I have to say, I haven't been this excited about a Saints preseason game in I can't remember when. And maybe that, it's that, that we didn't that have it is. last year. Maybe it's the quarterback battle. But, Matt, I am pumped for Saturday. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. I haven't been like this anxious and excited for a preseason game since really 06 when we had – Sean Payne as rookie head coach, and we just brought in Drew Brees, and we drafted Reggie Bush second overall. I think that was probably the most exciting times. I'm usually pumped up for preseason games, but this right now is like on a, on a whole nother level for me. Yeah, this is, well, that's a good point. Like, th- this is weird in the sense that before I was like, don't even play Drew Brees. Like, don't even let him see a snap. I don't care. Like, don't play him. I, I, don't, I don't even want him taking a snap and handing off to the running back. Like, I don't even want to see him do that. Um, now it's kind of the complete opposite where I can't get enough of the quarterbacks. Like, I want to see as much Jameis, Taysom, even Ian Book. I want to see all three of them get a ton of snaps. That's right. I want to see them all play in all three preseason games. And it's like, we need as much data and evidence, film evidence of how these guys can cut it before the Saints make a decision about the starter. Yeah. I also have a feeling if, say, like we're down in preseason and Ian Book actually somehow leads us to a victory, we should just start spamming uh, the Notre Dame victory theme song over and over (laughs) and just start quoting Airplane out of nowhere. Well, I'll say this about Ian Book. Everybody says that he's better than Grayson ever was. So that at least, that at least to me means he has the potential to be a backup quarterback. He, he has the capability to learn an offense and just not be a pest 
in in a in a depth chart. That's what it says to me yeah. about book. Yeah, I agree with the- that. Um, but you know, I I think I don't think it's going to happen so much on Saints Twitter because most Saint most of Saints Twitter is. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it's fairly reasonable. You know, they, they melt down about certain <laughs> things, but like, it, it's not like WWL callers bad, you know, like po- post game no. WWL buddy D show or, or, or Bobby a bear. Like it's, it's not on that level. So like, but like, I'm telling you right now, if Taysom fumbles and then Jameis Winston throws a pick and then Ian book comes in in the fourth quarter against, UDFA is in fifth stringers and he throws a game winning touchdown. You're going to get callers on W. Oh, you're gonna get the, the squirrels are going to come out of the. Oh, attic. and he's got. They're going to be calling WWL and they're going to be clamoring for Ian Book. Oh, and you got. You forgot one thing, too. The WWL demographic, like Notre Dame still means something to them. <laughs> like people of our age. Like, we don't care about Notre Dame. Notre Dame is just, like, some irrelevant football program that, yeah, they've played in national – they've they've been in some playoffs and whatever. They haven't won a national championship since the 80s. Like, Notre Dame means nothing to us. Dude, WWL callers, the Golden Dome, oh, that means something. And and I'll yeah. tell you, man. They still Ian think Book Nebraska goes, and Kansas oh, yeah. is a legit rivalry. Yeah. 100%. Ian yeah. Book goes 8 of 10 and throws two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You better you better believe it'll be it'll be book report time. Um, yeah, but reading, I'm at reading the- rainbow. Ralph Marlboro here from Saints Happy Hour. You need to join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room app. We are talking Saints or anything New Orleans sports related. On Spotify Green Room, you can interact with us by asking questions or just laugh at me mispronouncing names. Download the Spotify Green Room on your iPhone or Android device, then follow Saints Happy Hour so you can join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. to talk Saints or anything else NOLA sports related. So do it. Download the Spotify Green Room app and join us every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. We'll see you there. My, no, you know, it used to be Drew Brees. I don't want to see him. I'll tell you who I don't want to see. I don't want to see Camara. He shouldn't take a snap in the preseason. I don't want him on the. He can stretch and maybe he can put on the <laughs> uniform. He can maybe he can put on the uniform if he wants. But he should be in street clothes. Like, I don't need to – I don't – he doesn't need to get carries. I don't need to see him. Um, I don't can, like we keep, can we keep him away from the Metairie bars also? Yeah. Uh, he, he's number – he'd be number one on my uh, I don't need to see him list. But other guys, like, you worry about them getting hurt. But, like, Troutman, he needs to play. Um you know, yeah. I, you know, like I think, I think even Davenport, like he needs to play. Obviously, Peyton Turner, uh, Malcolm Roche, you, Dave's UDFA son, he got he got nicked today, so we'll see about him. Uh, they gotta find, they gotta find another dude at defensive tackle, Andrew. We gotta have somebody flash. Yeah, well, it sounds like Shy Tuttle might, might not be starting. It's, it seems like Jalen Dalton and Malcolm Roche are kind of the top two guys right now. Yeah. So that would be kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, the C.J. Henderson trade stuff, is it, it kind of bubbled up, and we'll see um, where, he, where he is and what they, what they do. I, I do think um, there's potential. Like, we're getting 
we're near the point of the Saints are – I think they're in – we're in a trade warning. Remember Peril, Peril – how do you say his name? Peril, Peril, Paris Harrelson. Paris Harrelson. I think we're in the got to trade for Peril Harrelson mode with wide receiver. Paris, like I, Paris Harrelson. Paris Harrelson. I can't – whatever. We're in that mode where – I saw you joke on Twitter. I saw you put that like we're in trade for Paris Harrelson but at receiver yeah. levels of peril. And for a second, I wasn't sure if you were lobbying for just like the Paris Harrelson current equivalent or if you really wanted Paris Harrelson in his current state to play receiver for the Saints. Both. Either. Yeah. Either. Or, either, or, either, either or. Either might be. But I, I mean, I could, at this point. I, could, I could see the Saints. There's a, there's a non-zero chance that the Saints receivers are a mess. Saturday and Sean Payton gets to the locker room or gets to halftime and he's like, Mickey. Get me a freaking receiver and get it. Like, remember, 2006, he walked to midfield and he's like, Bill, I want Shanley. Like, if you're going to cut him, just trade him to me. We need a linebacker. And and the next day, they had Shanley on the team. Yeah, but can he really say that until he gets a corner? Because he's been asking for a corner all offseason. Things change, Andrew. I'm just saying. Things change. They have been asking for a corner. I just with CJ Henderson, I just unless unless it's a third or a fourth round pick, you can't. I don't want to give up anything of value for him because one, I don't know how the Saints are going, where that pick's going to be in twenty twenty two, and two, like I don't care that Urban Meyer supposedly wants his guys or whatever. They that's a the, the ninth overall pick in the draft and. They're going to eject on him. I mean, even the Saints gave Jonathan Sullivan two years. I mean, that to me, it's just a giant red flag is all. Yeah, Pierre says C.J. Uh, Henderson is worth more than a third or fourth round pick. He was a top ten pick last year. Yeah, it's Pierre, I, I, I tend to agree with you, although it's really sus- – first of all, he didn't have a good year. He didn't play very well. And for Jacksonville to want to unload him, I just feel like any first round pick – where the coaching staff wants to trade him the following year the, it is immediately devalued because if it's out there that they want to get rid of him, then, and yeah, I get that, that rookie corner struggle and Meyer didn't draft him, but I, I just think why would you want him out of the building as opposed to developing a, a young corner on a rookie contract, unless there was yeah. something wrong. Uh, so yeah. I, I think it's kind of like Michael Thomas. It's like the, the saints don't have a ton of leverage when a, the dude's hurt. And B, like they hate each other right now, right? and, and <laughs> so like other too. teams know that you know he pro- he probably wants out. The Saints probably want him gone, and so you know they're going to offer pennies on the dollar. And I, I think that's kind of the deal with C.J. Henderson. So I definitely think they'll get more than a fourth, um, but more than a third, I don't know. I don't know that someone would be dropping a second on him right now. I mean, I I, I just think. A team to, for for the Jaguars to get even a second, a team would have to love him, and they would have had to been like he was number fourteen on our board, and we'll give you a second round pick because we think we think he, we can fix him, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I just, I don't, I don't see it. And the thing is, like, you can get like teams. After a week or two, you can get you can get guys 
you can you can, teams will cut players. You can you can the the problem for the Saints though is remember the claims the claims order is still based off of last year. So that's the problem for the Saints. Like when they cut a bunch of they're not still at the bottom of the claims list. So they may want a dude, but like Jacksonville and the Jets and all these uh dog crap teams, they still get the pick of the litter of of the cuts. So the Saints I think they I think the Saints may do some moving and shaking where they say to a team, "Hey, are you going to cut this player? We'll give you a conditional 7." Well, cuz who who did the Saints a UDFA that they traded to Cleveland or somebody that they turned him into a pick. Who was yeah, it? It was a defensive, was a defensive tackle. Yeah, I forget his name. And you were uh, like but, that. Bud Rich will remember. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think you have to do that. And, look, Andrew, that's fine. Like, if the Saints see a corner or a defensive tackle or whoever and they like them, if you want to give up a future Marcus Colston for them, it's fine. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, another question mm-hmm. that I – that I have for uh, the people. I-, I want people to tell me preseason scenarios on Saturday night that will get us ridiculously hyped. And don't tell me you can't get hyped about a preseason game because that first Saints preseason game in 2006, Reggie Bush took a pitch, did like a 360, and ran the complete other way against the Titans for like 50 yards. And I was like, oh, my God, it is on like Donkey Kong. Reggie Bush is going to dominate this league for, league for a decade. Like, we were yeah, on I mean, clock. Even, even like Joe Morgan, remember he ran back Yeah, once and we were going nuts. Yeah, so like, so you tell, and I want people in the room speak up and say, uh, oh, Pierre says Jameis completing a bomb. But what's the scenario, Andrew, where you would be like, yes. It's gonna be. I am pumped now. Like it's gonna be. Like it would. You. Yeah, you. Devaro Lawrence was the guy, by the way. Um, yeah. Matt. Matt got that. Devaro Lawrence. Um, That's right. Yeah, I, I like the idea of uh, Jameis throwing a bomb, just because it's because I, I, I. And it just goes back to us being starved for big playability and stretching the field, which you really haven't had the last mm-hmm. several years with Drew Brees. So. I think I think all Saints fans are just dying for that, but I think it can't just be Jameis. Like it has to be a receiver, ideally a receiver that we so like McCleskey. McCleskey catches like a ninety-yard bomb from Jameis. <laughs> I think um, Louise has the best scenario. Winston and Troutman connect five times on a drive for forty-seven yards and a touchdown. We would lose our fucking minds. We would lose if Troutman had like if Trout he doesn't even if he has three catches and a touchdown, even if it's like three catches for twenty five yards and a score, we will lose our minds. Like don't even pretend that you won't. No, I won't. <laughs> people are te- people are begging me on Discord and Twitter not to draft. Troutman in either of our <laughs> fantasy leagues. Uh, they, don't want the Ralph they don't want the stink on him. I put the stink on Jared Cook. Whew. One year when I over, I paid $187 for him by accident. I put the stink on him. He never. <laughs> Mina Kynes in her podcast, apparently she does some sort of dynasty league. She's like, I, she's like with the Saints receiver issues, she's like, I traded Adam Troutman last year. And she's like, I'm mad at myself because he might be a really nice tight end this year. 
That's yeah, hard. Well, you know, you know who ended up becoming the camp superstar? It's Jawan Johnson at this point. That's right. Like he's the guy that everyone's like, oh, go ahead and give him sixty balls, sixty catches. <laughs> That's right. Seven touchdowns this year. <laughs> Uh, normally it's a receiver, but Jawan Johnson is the camp superstar now. No, oh, you're you're right, and they're it's, it, it's going to be sad when he finishes the year with four catches. He's a, he, he's 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 on the he's in the hype machine right now. They're talking about how he's gaining weight. He, he's he's eating food off of, of teammates' plates. It's a uh, it's a good thing. Uh, on Nick Nick Underhill said Jawan Johnson looked amazing. Oh, and by the way, Nick Underhill. Gave my 2021 UDFA adopted son, Bryce Thompson, he got the Nick Underhill seal of approval the other day. Nick Underhill was like a dark horse to make the team. Isn't that kind of a kiss of death, though? It could be. But uh, Nick also said you got to pick your UDFA. You got to pick your UDFA before before uh, before the game start, which we did. People were yelling at us. Yeah, we waited for practice to start, but we did the draft before the games. Like, you got to have your our UDFA Sun draft before the games. But for you, it didn't matter. You picked Granderson. He was in. He was in the clink. Like, so, <laughs> so, like, I'm like, why, why do we even need to see games? Uh, it does, whether we do or we don't. Um, but it is interesting. Um, we haven't heard a lot of, about Bryce Thompson. Um, Another interesting thing. Now, I, I, I just, I just want to argue again that you, we should have done this before training camp started, because I one hundred percent would have picked Lorenzo Neal Jr. For the and the, the comedy, like he's already cut. So I just feel like you guys could have tore into me for that. So that's a lost opportunity for you, yeah. Ralph. And you should only blame. Yeah, I should have, honestly. but I was. I wanted to save it. I wanted to save the bullets. But here's here's another thing we got to pay attention to, Andrew. The Saints need a kicker. And well, they have one. They have one, but uh, you're not how, feeling it. Uh, here's the thing: like, if he if he's bad, they'll get another one. Like yeah. he's a, like he's on notice. Like Will Lutz could, if he was healthy, Will Lutz could have gone out and like missed a 50 yard field goal, and the, well, the Saints weren't going to like cut him and bring on another dude. But like this dude, he goes to a four, he misses an extra point. There's a, like a They'll cut him and bring in more people. So, yeah, like, that's, that's the thing about his job status is is he's one miss away from they'll just cut him and sign the next dude. Yeah, the Joshua says the punter battle too, but I feel like the punter battle. Everything I read, it's uh, it's Gillikin. Like Gillikin is way way ahead. Yeah, because Cooney apparently he can bomb, he like, but he only kicks like he kicks an amazing ball, but he only does it like one out of every five times. But he's well, he's, he's got he's got a great power leg, but yeah, he he does no consistency. Yeah, his his hang yeah. time his hang time is a struggle apparently. Um, but like I said, Andrew, this this preseason is going to be amazing. By the way, we're going to do a preview show on Twitch uh, Friday night. Me and Dave are going to do a preview show. It's going to be fun. Uh, you can join us that. We need to get our affiliate status. Uh, Twitch is always fun. Subscribe to our channel. Um, but. I just this this preseason game it's it's going to be so fun and we're going to an, overanalyze the quarterbacks and the thing is Andrew it's Wednesday I would think by tomorrow 
maybe the Saints will tell will know like the quarterback. I think probably tomorrow Sean Payton will announce the quarterback rotation after practice. When you think it's not like the op- it's not like the opening game against Green Bay where it needs to be super top secret, right? I would think I would think we'll know the quarterback rotation tomorrow. Yeah, because I just think whoever they roll with, it promises nothing in terms of their commitment to Week One against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think there's a good chance that Taysom will start on Saturday. I don't know why, but I just think he he gets paid more, and I I could see Sean Payton wanting to keep Jameis motivated, keep him humble, and I don't know. I, I'm kind of half expecting Jameis to start this game, and and it'll be like, yep, kind of like no matter what happens, Taysom, you're the starter game one, Jameis, you're the starter game two, and then I'll take an under advisement after that. Yeah, it, it's uh, but it could be the opposite. I mean, it could be Jameis first. Yeah, and these these the the, the practices like today they both kind of struggled. So we'll we'll see um, we'll see how they do it. And, the, and like you said, you know, you were talking about it in in relationship to kicking in the games. That's what matters. But I think for quarterback, the games matter too. And the thing is, you know, a lot of times in preseason, players sort of go. Not full speed, especially veterans, because they're just like it's preseason. We go through the motions, but it'll be interesting because Taysom and Jameis, they ain't gonna be going three quarter speed. They are gonna be locked in and treating these reps like it's life and death because it is. So it's just gonna be it's just gonna be really interesting. Where you know Breeze is as hardwired as he was, you know, in the preseason, he probably wasn't treating it as life of life and death. Uh, so it's just gonna be. It's going to be fascinating to see how they um, how they respond, and also I'll be really curious to see how they respond to adversity. Do you throw a pick? Take some fumbles. Whatever happens, and you come up the next series. How do you respond to? Oh crap! I'm trying to win this job, and I just threw a pick, and now I'm going out for a second series. How do you respond? to that pressure where, to me, Andrew, if you have a really bad series, you go out that next series, that's almost like pressure, like game-winning drive pressure for Winston and Taysom, I think. I could see it, man. Yeah, and uh, like you said, I I think they're going to be doing every drive like they're going to be trying to one-up each other. But it's a good point what you're making about just how they respond because – I think that's going to matter a lot to Sean Payton. I don't think he expects them to be perfect. I don't. Ex- I don't think he expects them to be Drew Brees. So I think it's going to be okay if they don't do something great. But I do think it's going to matter to him a lot, just how they rebound from those mistakes. So I, I think that point that you made is really good because we know these two quarterbacks have had problems with mistakes and consistency, and. Um, if they let it bother them and kind of hang in their head and, and mm-hmm. it makes them gun shy or whatever, that's going to be a nail in the yeah. body. You know, Sean Payton's huge on the body language. And, and listen, I think it was yesterday Winston was running with the, the, the twos and he had like two shaky exchange, exchange, exchanges with my, uh, my old son Throckmorton. So like, you know, a shaky exchange. Maybe no, it was. I was. Uh, you, you mean the center exchange? That was yeah. Will Clapp. That was Will. It was Will. Clapp. Well, it was Will Clapp. Yeah. So, Brockmore doesn't play center. Yeah, he's thought, a tackle. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
But that's an interesting thing, even if it's like not his fault, right? If, if, the, if, the, if the snap on third down is low, if it's over his head or whatever, it's just going to be interesting how they bounce back from adversity. We get to see it in these games. It'll be uh, very fascinating. I, I, can't, I can't wait uh, just because here's the thing. Uh, with only three preseason games, we're, Sean Payton has said, like, we're going to play all these guys. We're not going to get the normal fourth preseason game where nobody plays and it doesn't matter. I think you're going to see the quarterback battle all three of these games. So it's going to be great. We'll have, you know, we'll have, hopefully they'll come out injury free. Is there anything else about uh, Friday's game that you, you're, uh, you're looking forward to? Or anybody in the room, is there anybody, anything that we haven't touched on? that you're really excited about, about uh, Saturday's game? Well, I think there's a good chance that Deontay Harris is going to be suspended. Uh, and so I am looking at who is going to be the returner. I mean, I, I kind of assume it's going to be Marquez Callaway at this point mm-hmm. because he looked pretty good being the returner last year. But if he's your number one receiver, that's right. <laughs> which, which right now he is, like, that's right. there's no way I want him returning kicks. So, um we, we've seen a lot of guys over there, and Deontay Harris was very explosive. Remember, he was going up against the veteran Marcus Sherrills. Um, and just blew him out the, the water. Blew, yeah, but, we, blew, the heat, yeah. But, but Harris was a guy that was kind of like a unknown UDFA right. that we, you know, it was like Sherrills was supposed to be the guy. So uh, he, he kind of caught us by surprise. I mentioned um, uh, Joe Morgan, but there's been other guys that have kind of surprised us and been explosive on special teams. Um, and so I, I'd just be, I'd be looking at that. Just is someone able to break a big return? Cause a lot of times that helps guys make a roster spot. Like, yeah. Gun- gunners and stuff. It's one of those things where yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, you were like, I don't know who JT gray. I don't know who the hell he is, but you're like, Ralph, he's on every special teams, the entire preseason. Like, and, and you're just like, I think he's making the team because of he's, he's you know, um, so it's just something. Yeah, it's just I mean, something. This, is, this is a trick I've learned over the years is when the Saints are kicking off to start, like if if they're on either on return or kickoff, just look who's on the field, look, who's on that unit. Because if they're on the kickoff team and, and it's a nobody like an Andrew Dowell or, a, you know, one of those guys, like if they're on the opening kickoff unit, then odds are they're making the team as a special teamer. Yeah. The the final thing that I want to talk about, and it was really interesting, I was listening to Mike Lombardi on the GM Shuffle, and he was talking about how Bill Parcells would always say to him in preseason games, he'd be like, Michael, I only have 40. I only have 45. Like the same, and, and since Peyton is a, is a Parcells disciple, I wonder if he does it the same way. It's like they, they section off the roster and they try to they see – we have 40 guys. We've got 40 guys locked in. We need to fill the other spots. We got 45. We need to lock in the spots. So I'm curious, in your mind, Andrew, not that you have done your final roster projection now, but how many spots do you think are, like, open for business? Like, how many are locked in? Is it, is it, is it, is it, you don't have to give me a number, but is it, is it, is, are the open roster spots, are they as high as you've seen them in like four or five years for sure, right? Yes, definitely. 
And is I, mean, it, I, would, I, I would say that in years past when we've done this exercise, I was like, I, I could basically tell you with virtual certainty, 46, 47 guys that were on the team. So, you know, when you look at a 53-man roster, and, you know, obviously a lot of guys are going to make the practice squad, but, like, I, I was usually like, yeah, there, there's, like, six spots that I'm unsure about. You know, and so this year I would say there's probably like 40 spots that are locked that yeah. where I would say categorically like this guy's making the team. So, you know, I, I would say it's probably double wow. what it was a year ago. Yeah. yeah and there's, you probably, might... there's probably 12 or 13 spots where I'm like, yeah, I think Dwayne Washington's making the team. And yeah, I think Ty Montgomery's going to make the team. And yeah, I think Juwan Johnson is in, but. I'm not certain. Yeah. You could have you could have a situation in two thousand six they did it and one of the years in the seven and nine sadness they did it too, where like they did the, the, the roster and then like the next day you were like, Oh, that's the fifty three man roster and then you're like, Nope. The Saints are claiming people left and right off the waiver wire, you know? Yeah. Um, well so I, it, I, I think defensive tackle corner and receiver are absolutely spots where they're going to claim guys. I mean, you can almost take that shit to the bank. So like when they call, when they, when they decide what their 53 man roster is and you, a guy like Chris, Chris Hogan makes it like, that's going to be great for about 12 hours until they claim some receiver that they get. And then they're going to cut Chris Hogan, you know? So I'm, I'm just preparing you guys for that now and, <laughs> A defensive tackle, let's say my UDFA son, Josiah Bronson, he's going to make the 53 only to get cut because they claim some guy and then he's going to revert back to practice squad. You, I yeah. mean, that that is 100% happening. And, and also, uh, Joshua, we'll get to you in just a second. Remember, who was the guard that the Packers cut in 2016? They cut him the week or like the, the like, like bef- after the third preseason game, or maybe like right after the fourth, and the Saints made a hard push for him, but he signed with the Bears. So you may have that, Andrew, where you have oh, like a sitting, su- sitting, yeah. So you may have like a surprise cut at defensive tackle, at receiver, at not probably not at corner, but maybe you never know. Um, and the Saints this year, they have cap space. So they can go and make it happen if they want to. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Sometimes you're not just dealing with the dregs at the bottom of the roster. Sometimes teams cut guys because they Leonard don't want to Fournette. Take... Yeah, Leonard like that was that guy last year. Yeah, like they don't want to take a pay cut or whatever. Joshua, before we get out of here, uh, tell us what are you most excited about Saturday? Um, I'm most I'm I'm pretty excited to to watch the quarterbacks play. Uh, I think that's going to be the big thing for me. Like you said, they're going to be taking a lot of reps and just really get in there. And so we have to kind of take what we're seeing as a grain of salt because the other players may not be given 100%, but I'm excited to see the quarterbacks. Um, but to kind of to the point you guys are making, um, I think this year is going to be the real test if Sean Payton is as good as he says he is because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I really feel like the – the meat and potatoes of our roster was the middle and how in depth we were like, you guys were just talking about the surprise cut to defensive tackle. I think it was like two years ago. We had to let Mario Edwards and a few other people. And, and now 
all three of those defensive tackles are playing in the league on like multi-year contracts. So, yeah. Well, Mario Edwards was always a guy where we were like, we're like, man, he's a great get for the Saints are paying him nothing. Like, why doesn't yeah. he have a job? I think that was Andrew saying that. So he was an interesting guy, but but. Joshua, I think you're. I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting to see if Sean Payton, like how he how he deals with this offense. If the if the receivers are if the receivers are terrible, if they get injuries here or there, like how does he make it work without Breeze? We've seen it work before. Um, but the, here's the thing: the Saints. We, you know, there's there's this perception that, like, especially among Saints fans, that like this the 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 Saint the off they couldn't go deep, they couldn't do this. Drew Brees was limiting them, and they had Drew Brees even the last two years. They were a top five offense when Drew Brees played. When Drew Brees didn't play, they won, but they were the twentieth ranked offense when Drew Brees wasn't playing. So it will be a brand new freaking world of it will if the Saints offense if they fall Andrew and thanks thanks for joining us Joshua if they fall to like the 15th best offense it will feel like poverty and yeah yeah no I, I agree with you uh, I, w- I want to get to a couple questions that were asked in the chat uh, Luis just asked if pace if Peyton gets a pass the season for sub 500 season without breeze. Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, I I just think given everything that's transpired already up until this point, I think that we're like in the twilight zone right now, man. So I I absolutely think, look, this would be his crowning achievement almost that the saints were successful this year, given what's happened thus far. So uh, I definitely think he would get a pass. And I just want to address also, uh, I hope I'm saying this right. Erol Fouquet or I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, he, he was just curious, given how important the Jameis and Taysom battle is, Ralph, how many snaps do you think Boog gets in this first game? It, I, I, could, I, I, I could see them going one half for Jameis, one half for Taysom, nobody else plays. No. I, that, that could happen. Yeah, I don't think so. Or, I don't or think... where they go one quarter per quarterback. and see. I think they go one quarter... I don't think if you're the Saints, I think there's too high of a risk to play Taysom or Jameis with like the scrub offensive line. Like you can't, you can play him with the backups. You can't have Jameis or Taysom under center in the fourth quarter with dudes that aren't going to make your roster. You know, like I, I just think, I just think that's so, too much. So of you a, like book playing the whole fourth quarter, and so you like a quarter per quarterback. I think I think I think it's I think you go a quarter per quarterback or Simeon might not play at all. I could see I could see Book playing like the second half. Maybe. Mm. You know? Like I, I definitely I definitely could see that. And I could I think I think the first game, it'll pop I bet you it's it's like you say, it's a quarter for each one of them. And then maybe next game it's a quarter and a half for Taysom, quarter and a half for Jameis, and then maybe Book. But I just think you can't like you if, if 
the Saints, they don't know who the quarterback is yet. You can't have Jameis running around the fourth quarter. He gets injured because the dude who's going to be selling insurances a month couldn't block a dude, and Jameis got broken in half. I mean, mean, maybe this would make uh, Sean Payton's job easier if it's like what happened at LSU. He's like, he he sees uh, Miles Brennan break his arm, and he's like, man, if one of these guys gets hurt, it's (laughs) nice. That's a horrible thing to say, Andrew. I don't need, I don't want, if, if we are, we have people telling us breaking news, we need to do the regular breaking news siren for good news, and we need to do the price is right sad horn for bad news. Like, that's what people want for the I just want to point out that sometimes, like, an injury is a blessing in disguise. No, I don't need and, and I just want to point, I remember this. Now, Will Smith was was aging. That's right. He wasn't that good anymore. The Saints moved to a 3-4, and they wanted to try Will Smith at outside linebacker, which was just freaking absurd, Ralph. They, it was absurd. They, they, were, they were trying to put him out there like that was laughable, okay? But they were trying to square peg round hole him, and, and he tears his ACL, which was horrible, right? Because, you know, RIP Will Smith, like Saints legend, love the guy. But – he tears his ACL, and then it's like, well, guess we're playing Junior Galette. And then he, and, you know, Junior Galette, you know, that ended up being a, a shit show in its own right. But, but he got double-digit sacks that year. That's right. Junior Galette can get the quarterback. There's no way that Will Smith was going to play half as good as Junior Galette did that year. There's yeah. no way. So I'm just saying, sometimes you are Andrew. forced to pl- to play guys that maybe you're not comfortable playing. And it ends up being way better than what you thought. Yeah. So we'll see. Guys, thanks for joining us in Spotify. We do this every Wednesday. If you're listening to this podcast later, download the Spotify Green Room app and join us every Wednesday. We're having a great time. And we just had another sign up. Uh, Jonas signed up. Three mugs left. Become an annual patron. Get your mug. Get your one month for free. Ty, it's, Ty Montgomery just got carted off. You're going to need this mug before the you're gonna need, That's off. right. Yeah. You, you fill it with alcohol. You can fill it with beer. You can fill it with bleach. You can fill it with drugs. It can do, it can do magical things <laughs> for you. So I'm just saying you need it. And once we run you're out, we need have, to numb this. You're going to need, you to, need numb to numb this pain, pain some, sometimes. Yeah. So I'm just saying, so do it. So for everybody, thanks for joining us. And we will see you Friday night on Twitch for the special pregame edition. Thanks. We'll see you then. Who dat? The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.